1: Greetings, and welcome to the 48th edition podcast of Women's Liberation Radio News for this Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. This is Jenna DeCuardo, and these are some strange days we're living in, sisters. The past few weeks have been unsettling, to say the least. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I hope you're doing well and keeping your paws clean. There are silver linings to be found in this crisis, and they can be easy to miss in the deluge of panic inducing content major media is churning out. I personally have been trying to limit how much content I'm taking in regarding the pandemic, but I've also been keeping in touch with loved ones much more frequently than usual. I've returned to my sorely missed yoga practice. I'm quarantining to the fullest extent I can while recognizing how blessed I am to be able to quarantine. It's a new chance for me to practice gratitude, a new test of how many blessings I can count. If you're one of the numerous essential workers saving or supporting lives, Protect yourself as best you can. Protect yourself. Don't let anyone be cavalier with your life. It is my pleasure and honor to be a part of this collective that prioritizes women and sets its sights on women's liberation in all it does. Your listenership is inspiring for me, sisters. Thank you for continuing to tune in. Solidarity, strength in numbers, liberation for all women everywhere. This month's edition focuses on British feminists and feminism. We'll hear an excerpt of an interview Thistle did with Vanis Allen, women's rights campaigner who helped to organize the recent Speakers' Corner event on March 8th, International Women's Day. You'll also hear from Katie and Naomi, two UK feminists who are part of the Make More Noise Collective and who were also organizers of the Speakers' Corner event last month in London. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive, or radical. The thread that runs through all of American politics, except for separatist feminism, is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. To start off today's edition, here's Donna Vitalosheva with women's news from around the globe for this Thursday, April 2nd, 2020.
2: Data from Chinese provinces quarantined because of the COVID-19 pandemic suggests social isolation causes a surge in violence against women. According to a Chinese website, Sixth Tone. Reports of domestic violence in China have nearly doubled since cities were put under lockdown. In the US, workers on domestic violence hotlines are already reporting an increase of cases. Paraphrasing a quote from the US National Domestic Violence Hotline, when women are forced to stay in the home or in close proximity to their abuser, you can use any tool to exert control over them including a health concern such as COVID-19. On the contrary, in Italy, which is currently dealing with the highest daily coronavirus death toll in the world, some authorities have mentioned a decrease in calls for police help with domestic violence cases. Attorney Maria Letizia Manella from Milan claimed in Italian news attributed this fall to women not wanting to call the police with their families present. Young female and male trans activists volunteering as a security force at a Women's Day demonstration in Madrid attacked feminists who promoted the abolition of prostitution at the demonstration. According to feminists from Asamblea Abolicionista for years, they have unsuccessfully been trying to get abolitionist demands on the agenda of the Women's Day demonstration organizer called 8M, which is a coalition of Spanish feminist assemblies. This is why they decided to conduct a, quote, peaceful action to make their demands against the commodification of women's bodies visible, end of quote. But. As they moved with their banners to the stage, the security force blocked them, tried to take their banners, slashed the banners with razors, physically assaulted them and shouted, quote, kill the turf, end of quote. According to the police report, one of the young people who engaged in this assault was a 10-year-old girl. To stop the assaults, the police had to intervene. The organization, called 8M, has not published a condemnation of their security forces' behavior. 71% of British men under 40 said they had slapped, choked, gagged, or bitten a woman during sex, spat on her, or pulled her hair. These are the results of a survey commissioned by BBC Disclosure and BBC 5 Live. One third of the respondents stated they did not ask the women whether they would like to be treated this way. More than half of the men admitted they were influenced by pornography. However, some men haven't found the real-life violence during sex enjoyable. A man nicknamed George by the BBC admitted in disappointment, quote, it never turns out the way it looks in porn, end of quote while some male respondents describe unmet expectations. Women subject to this treatment report feelings of shock, guilt and shame, suggesting they are traumatized by this experience. One day after Women's Day, Labour Women's Declaration organized a meeting in London to condemn the signing of a pledge card from their Labour campaign for trans rights. As part of the pledge's text, Organizations such as LGB Alliance and Women's Place UK were called hate groups. Speakers at the meeting were, among others, Julie Bindel and Selena Todd. At the start of the rally, the attendees faced a mob of angry trans activists, as Women's Place wrote on their website quote, The rally on Monday night was picketed by around 60 aggressive protesters who intimidated attendees as they arrived taking pictures and obstructing the entrance. Most took part in loud and abusive chanting. Many were masked or had scarves over their faces. Some threw smoke bombs and lit flares. End of quote. According to the website womenarehuman.com, the activists wore balaclava helmets, filmed women entering the meeting and demanded to know their names and addresses. One of the trans activists also flashed his penis. These picketers faced a backlash for their actions, mostly for setting off smoke bombs in close proximity to the site of the Grenfell Tower fire, in which 72 people died in June 2017. The organization that called the picket later apologized on their Twitter account for insensitivity to the victims and survivors of the Grenfell Tower fire. However, they failed to apologize for harassing the attendees. On International Women's Day, a mob of masked men attacked women, demonstrating against violence against women in Bishkek, the capital of Kyrgyzstan. According to Al Jazeera, the attackers, quote, tore up the protesters' posters, popped balloons with toy pistols and threw eggs at the women, end of quote. Eurasianet reported that police failed to arrest the attackers and detained the attacked women instead. According to journalist Nurjamal Janibekova, Bekova, 70 women were forcibly detained, loaded into waiting buses and driven to a police station. The police stated they arrested the women because their demonstration was unauthorized. In fact, the Kyrgyz courts had banned the protest from happening, claiming coronavirus fears, but later reversed the ban. According to Jani Bekova, Women's March organizer Guliaim Ailci said that during the two court hearings to consider the possibility of a ban, it became clear it was the event itself that was bothering the authorities. Quote, representatives from the City Hall said they did not like the slogan, My body is my business. Using the COVID-19 outbreak as its reason. Ohio ordered abortion clinics to stop operating as part of a crackdown on quote-unquote non-essential or quote-unquote elective procedures. Pro-Choice activists condemned this move, claiming abortions are essential procedures. Co-founder of hashtag voteprochoice, Heidi Seek, commented, quote, It's insidious for anti-choice lawmakers to use a time of crisis to restrict abortion and reproductive care when every moment matters greatly to the patient's ability to access the service, end of quote. Ohio has had a long tradition of being one of the most anti-abortion states in the U.S., Just last year, the state passed a heartbeat bill which intended to ban abortion around the time when a fetal heartbeat can be detected, roughly six weeks into pregnancy. Thankfully, at that time, a federal judge in Cincinnati issued an injunction preventing the ban from taking immediate effect. Four men who, in 2012, brutally gang-raped a 23-year-old woman on a bus in India were hanged in Delhi. The victim, whose real name isn't publicly known, was given the name Nirbhaya by the press, which means fearless. In 2012, Nirbhaya was beaten, gang-raped and tortured in a private bus in which she was traveling with her male friend. After this, the man left her on the roadside. She spent two weeks in hospital, fighting for her life but succumbed to her injuries and died. All six perpetrators were arrested and charged. One of them supposedly committed suicide in prison and another one being underage was sentenced to juvenile prison. The other four were sentenced to death. After years of these men trying to postpone the execution by various means, in March, the Indian authorities finally delivered justice the Guardian reported Nirbhaya's mother's reaction to the execution. Quote, as soon as I returned from Supreme Court, I hugged the picture of my daughter and said, Today, you got justice. End of quote. Idaho is the first U.S. state to give a final legislative approval to a law that will keep sex-based distinctions in public schools and college sports teams. This will ensure that males will not be able to compete in all female teams. The law states that, quote, There are inherent differences between men and women. These inherent differences range from chromosomal and hormonal differences to physiological differences. The inherent physiological differences between males and females result in different athletic capabilities. End of quote. The world has already seen a few coronavirus recoveries by women in their 90s. In Seattle, a 90-year-old Geneva Wood recently made full recovery after getting infected in a nursing home. Geneva Wood was admitted to the nursing home after she suffered a stroke around Christmas. In three months, she regained the ability to walk, use her right arm and talk when she became infected with COVID-19, through glass pain, she said to her family, quote, I'm going to fight this for my family and make everyone proud, end of quote. However, her health turned for the worse. Fearing death was approaching, she got her family to visit, dressed in protective suits, to say goodbye. Miraculously, she survived and on top of that, has made a full recovery. Geneva Wood is not the only woman in her 90s to beat the corona. A 97 years old woman recently recovered in South Korea and in China, a 98-year-old woman was cured of COVID-19 at the beginning of March. That concludes WLRN's World News Segment for Thursday, April 2nd, 2020, Andana Vitalosheva. Share your news stories and tips with us by emailing wlrnewscontact at gmail.com and letting us know what's going on.
3: Yeah, yeah head, feels weak, belly's hurting again, car dead, quiet till they drop off a friend, tension filling up her heart with dread, won't dare move an inch, won't turn her head, knuckles turn white as he grips up the steering, signs of rage, they are quickly appearing eyes full of fear cause she knows what's nearing, tries not to blink it or bait up the tearing, pull up to the yard and he opens a door, runs round to her side, get the fuck out you whore, drags her out as she's heaving inside, but she knows Better than to let out a cry. He slams shut the door. He punches her low, holding her belly. She can't breathe from the blow. He knows where to hit her now, so it won't show when she goes to work. Not a soul would know. I said, No, you're right. Love you first. Say it. Speak your truth. Yeah. Know your worth. Listen. Trust your gut. Let it. Be. Set-a-free, set-a-free, set-a-free Know your rights. What? love you first Listen. Speak your truth, yeah. know your worth Trust your gut, let it be Set-a-free, set-a-free, set-a-free Regain our respect boy be remorseful when there's toys under the tree like grand theft auto violence to women as if normal soul disillusioned by the images and pornos who is the object and who gets to be forceful who makes the money and who's at the top and more so who decides what's sexy and what is voluptuous Is beauty in the eye of the beholder or presumptuous It's all prevalent We are not just skin on a skeleton Women are intelligent inventors of medicine The right to be president, fight to be relevant Mother nature is the root to all of your elements Domestic violence on your own doorstep One every minute but what's not reported Regain our respect and drop the knowledge on them Every single one of you was birthed from a woman No, you know your rights, what? love you first Speak your truth, yeah. know your worth, Listen. trust your gut, let it be. Set a free, set a free, set a free. Know your rights, what? love you first. Listen. Speak your truth, yeah. know your worth, what? trust your gut, let it be. Set her free, set her free, set her free He pushed up on the mirror and he told her to watch I didn't wife no hope But that's what I've got, that ring on your finger It means that your mind smiling at man in the club like I'm blind Her makeup smudged from the tears that she sobbed He forces her to take it, innocence robbed She didn't even wanna go out in the first place He said he'd make up for ruining her birthday When did it change man, when did she let him Every night she cries, regretting that she met him Too shit to leave too shook to breathe, but an indignity that no one would believe. Convincing herself that she does have a purpose. Hard when you're told daily that you're worthless. Could she leave? Could she run? This story may belong to any daughter or mum. I said no, you're right. Love you first. Say it, speak your truth. Yeah, know your worth. Listen. trust your gut, let it be. Set-a-free, set-a-free, set-a-free Know your rights. What? love you first Listen. Speak your truth, yeah. know your worth what? Trust your gut, let it be Set-a-free, set-a-free, set-a-free
4: That was Shade Dee with her song Set Her Free. Next up we'll hear excerpts of an interview Thistle did with Venice Allen, British women's rights campaigner who recently helped to organize a grassroots speaking event for any woman to get up on her soapbox and express herself at the historic speaker's corner in Hyde Park, London. Thistle caught up with Venice via Skype last week to learn more about the event and to chat with the notorious Dr. Radfam. You can hear the full interview with Ms. Allen by clicking on the interviews tab on WLRN's WordPress site.
0: Can you introduce yourself to our listeners who may not be familiar sure. with the work that you do and just tell us a little bit about, um, yeah, who you are? Uh, I don't know what to say. I'm a
5: mother of two boys and I'm a jewelry maker. And um, I have just been involved in, you know, I'm just one of many British women who's been fighting the reforms to the Gender Recognition Act here in the UK for the last um, couple of years. And there's lots of different women all working on it from different angles. And um, we've done pretty well over here. It's, uh, and what's your angle?
0: How have you been working on it?
5: Well, uh, Nearly three years ago i I, um, I just tried to organize a, a local event where we talked about uh, what is gender, and I, my aim was to get people from a couple of speakers from each side of the argument and you know at, at that point i i did i I hadn't really peaked trans myself I did, did honestly think that we could just talk about it and kind of come to some some uncompromised physician and then it all just blew up really um uh you know the venue got cancelled then we had to move to a different venue and we we met at Speaker's Corner and a woman was um Maria McLaughlin was uh hit to the ground by three young men who think they're women and
0: yeah so I just kind of got thrown in the deep end really So that original speaking event, I think Mm. it was called, um, yeah, What is Gender?
5: What is Gender? The Gender Recognition Act and Beyond.
0: Yeah. Because we specifically... Yeah, we started a new... I just want to say that I feel like you and British women are the ones who kicked off the idea of holding events, speaking events, where there would be like a public debate. Mm. I tried in my town... Yeah. It's, upon somebody's suggestion, because the trans activists started coming down on me in 2013, 2014, so pretty yeah. early on, and yeah. somebody's suggestion was, well, you should hold a public debate, a talk about it. Yeah. You know, and I tried, and they wouldn't allow me to. You know, the trans activists would not allow for there to be a public debate or discussion yeah. about it. So you really broke through that. And now, it's well, I mean, we are, and we aren't like still, I mean, I've organized, I think around 10
5: events now and, and lots of other groups and women have organized different events. I'd say there's probably been about fifty events in the last three years, um, two and a half years, uh, since then in the UK and still, um, you have to, you know, uh, have a secret venue which you release on the day. the one time the one time we booked a venue um and we announced in advance where it was was in Bristol and the, the, it, you know a huge crowd of transactions came outside, and the venue was under huge pressure to cancel, but they were just really great people who just stuck their heels in and said, "No, we're not going to cancel, but we had a huge demonstration outside. What was so interesting at the most recent event that we organised um, at Speaker's Corner again on Women's Day on the 8th of March, we didn't have any trans activists come, but um, the very next day, another group, Women's Place UK, um, had organised, no, it wasn't Women's Place UK, the Labour Women's Declaration, had organised an event the following evening. And again, there were, there were loads and they... Um, Let us smoke bombs, and it was horrible.
0: Wait, the Labour... What organisation hosted a speaking event the day after yours at Speaker's Corner? No, no, no,
5: no. It was in a community centre just in the shadow of Grenfell Tower in West London. And it it wasn't a Women's Day event. It was the Labour Women's Declaration. It was called Defend Me or Expel Me, and it was all the people who um, were responding to what the Labour leadership campaign was saying about signing the trans pledge. I don't know how up on our local um, stuff you are over there in Madison. But um, yeah, so they are still, they couldn't really do anything at Speaker's Corner because it's just a public place. And after what happened, they'd look so awful coming along again. And... Um, there were police there and stuff, so they, they they didn't come to that. But if you tried to do an event, if I or anyone else tried to do an event about gender and you said, we're going to do it in such and such a place, like I tried to do it, we tried to announce it at Millwall Football Club um, a couple of years ago. And, you know, within a day, they had just been... Um, what's the word you know just inundated with complaints the football club and they stuck it out for like a week and then they had to cancel because just too many people politicians uh, you know high profile fans people were telling them to stop to not to host us Mm-hmm. So you have to be clever about it. But you can do it. You just have to be clever about it. They oh, yeah. I mean, in,
0: in Seattle, I feel on February 1st, American mm-hmm. Women successfully uh, organized an event in conjunction and partnership with the Seattle Public Library. Yes, I saw um, all the huge... And there were uh, 300 people there, you know. Yeah. So that was... Exactly. What are your numbers like at, at these events
5: I've never had that many. I've never had that many. I think um, we had probably over 100 or maybe 150 at Bristol a couple of years ago. And I think the one outside at at the Grenfell Tower one, the day after our Speaker's Corner one that I was just talking about, I think, I don't know, maybe 100. Certainly 200 turned up at the Labour Conference outside the Women's Place meeting last September. Um but I think you know the ones in Canada look even worse don 't they i mean I, I think it is worse for you, but again it 's when you do it in a building where you tell them it 's going to be see the American libraries have a, a have a constitutional duty to host free speech don 't they
0: mm-hmm.
5: whereas um, I know the New York Library cancelled on Wolf on a different occasion but I think right it,
0: within the same within like three weeks it was a a mm. January event yes in right. New yeah. York City and then it was the next event was on February 1st
5: so, so it's sort
0: of hit and miss but you know it's
5: it's it's crazy that you know but now everything's changed again like with this virus the whole world is shutting down so you know who knows what's what's going to happen the good news in Britain is that the gender identity bill in Scotland has been put on pause. Um, So everything's just on pause, not just their surgery, all the legislation,
0: but I, I, you know,
5: we just need to keep an eye on it, but everyone's thinking about other stuff, I guess.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that sheds a light on how non-essential gender identity is to existence and just being able to function and be it's just it's not real and especially
5: when we're all on our own
0: yeah you know in our
5: homes but that's going to be difficult for all kinds of people isn't it and then it's going to be
0: wonderful for all other kinds of people it's just
5: it's just hard to know what to say about it
0: all at this point isn't it yeah. So it's really great to be able to feature British feminists and feminism for our April podcast. I got to talk with Katie and Naomi yesterday oh, great. from Make, Make More Noise. Brilliant. And you have an article on their blog site about the Speakers Corner event, which yes. was fabulous. It was so grassroots and so, it was. so... Deeply historical. Lovely I love Led Zeppelin. Yeah, and was that I a so Beatles wish jacket that you were wearing? You had a Beatles jacket on, right? Oh. Like from it looked like it looked like from uh, Sergeant Pepper's. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Uh, you, uh, not
5: really, but yeah, it's a nice.
0: Yeah. Anyway, it
5: was I really just, nice, and the rain, I, the rain and the umbrellas really added to it in a way, didn't it? To the video, I like it, it.
0: Yes. Yes, um, it is. It's it's brilliant. So um that's why I great. really wanted to do it. I why wanted to
5: go back to Speaker's Corner and just just do stuff where we're like where it's where anyone can stand up. It's not this you because know, although I've done a lot of these talks where you get four people on a panel and everybody sits there and listens and does questions at the end, it just was beginning to feel a little bit stale that format. And, you know what do you do do you keep going around the country saying all the basics or do you have really quite in sort of in-depth talks for people and then that would alienate people who had just come to the issue you know so it, it just got a bit boring and and everything was getting so expensive there's all these judicial reviews going on which are great but they just cost tens of thousands of pounds and I just thought you know and then I bumped into Katie and uh, we just, because she was down in London, and we um, just decided, let's just do something that's virtually free in the place where talks go on and whether they come or they don't come, it doesn't matter. And it was so great. And then I really, I want to carry on going there when all this pandemic is over. And I think it will be, you know, interesting to do that.
0: Yeah, because the British suffragists Went there to get to stand on their to stand on their soapbox and like you said it was just it was so refreshing the way it was organized how anyone could get up there and that you had a literal speech way to elevate yourself you know to literally get up on your soapbox and then preach out I love how Sheila Jeffries leaned over yes (laughs) and her arms you know she was just like really reaching out into the crowd because during her speech. I actually did hear like some they sounded like hecklers. They and- were you see what
5: what it is Faisal is that every Sunday people go to speaker's corner to you know to to have these speeches and they all stand on step feathers like that and there's like a pathway where there's you know on a on a normal cold sunny winter's Sunday there'd be like maybe 10, 12 different speakers on different soapboxes and then people mingling in between the the groups. Now, what it is, those people that go every week are mainly either Christians or Muslims arguing about Christianity and Islam. They're Muslims arguing amongst themselves about different kinds of Islam. And the the other great demographic that go are anti-feminists and... Men's Rights Activists, Justice for Men and Boys. Because when I went to do a recce about a month previously, um, there were quite a lot of those guys there. So they go every week. And so that was the people you heard heckling. They weren't trans activists. They were actual men's rights activists. (laughs) And they weren't actually trying to disrupt the talk a lot of the time, but they wanted to get their signs anti-abortion signs and stuff in the in the cameras
0: right at one point I saw a fetus poster in the background and I was like oh god (laughs) Um, but you know it just goes to it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter if they're trans activists or so-called men's rights activists or anti-abortion activists all of them are hate women it's all they're (laughs) all woman haters and so, and it just goes to prove that there's no sector of our society, be it liberal, conservative, even radical, that really stands strong for women. It's mm. always, the women's mov- movement has always been characterized by women standing up for ourselves um, because really, how can we trust any male led and driven and created organizations?
6: Mm.
5: Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? How how people get so angry at just women discussing being a woman and feminism really, really puts their backs up.
0: (laughs) Clearly. Yeah. I loved all the signage in the background in the video of, just the black sign with the well, that was white letter it was to protect the women from the rain and the wind right so but it, it, had it a really looked great didn't news it? as well but it looked great in the in the picture so yeah. um, it was really it really was nice, so nice that because
5: because it was sunny when we got there and then you know I'd been watching the weather hour by hour forecast you know at all the days and and it just right at the end, and right at the end, it was still saying that our window was going to be sunny and then it just changed. And I was like, oh, no. And then it was sunny when we got there. And then by the time we'd set it all up, you know, it always takes a while faffing around, doesn't it? And then, and then just after the first few speeches, then the heavens opened. But it really did. We all just kind of huddled closer. But the shame was that it was quite, you know, it was an hour and a half of speeches and by the end of it, some of the women were really quite tired and cold <laughs> and wet. Yeah. We were all going to go for a nice big photo by the, um, the, where the, where the reform tree stood, but we just went straight to the pub instead <laughs> because it didn't Got seem it. fair. Yeah. We were also bedraggled, mm. but yeah, it was very nice. And then afterwards, they thought it was so nice. We went to this um, nearby pub. Which I had booked the basement of, which has quite a nice big basement. And when I'd booked it, I'd given the guy one of my standing for women business cards that Posey had done for me. And so he could confirm the booking. And then when I gave it to him, I thought, oh God, should I have given him that? Because he might look it up and cancel it. And then I didn't, you know, and he was always really chatty in the text. So I thought, there's obviously no problem. And then we got there and they were brilliant. And then I asked him, and, it, and then they they must have made loads of money out of us because they were serving food and drinks and everybody stayed for ages, so quite a lot of people. And then I said to him, I said, because then he'd obviously seen the T-shirts and spoken to people. And so I said to him, you know, do you, you know, I wondered if he were going to Google who we were. And he said, well, I, I did actually Google who we are and I'm now I'm a huge fan of Posey Parker. <laughs> oh, so, that's
0: great. That
5: was really nice. And it was such a great pub because it was such a big space and it's completely free to book. So we're definitely going to go back there again.
0: Wow. Yeah. May we all be able to go back to the pub together with our sisters. Uh, We will. We will. You know, I think what's going to happen
5: here. I mean, obviously, actually, no, you're right. Let's best not say what we think is going to happen because we could be so proved wrong. But, you know, I think... It will all be alright. Well,
0: I hold you in the pub in my heart. Yeah. Sister.
1: That was all pairs with their song, It's Obvious. Now we turn to an interview Thistle did with two young British radical feminists who are part of the collective Make More Noise out of Manchester. Naomi Bridges and Katie Worley spoke with Thistle via Skype last week to talk more about how they came to radical feminist activism and also about what radical feminists in the UK are up to.
0: All right, so this is Thistle Petterson, and I am here with Naomi and Katie, two British feminists. Welcome to WLRN.
6: Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, for,
7: thanks
0: for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, so can you just tell us a little bit about yourselves and your involvement in the British feminist movement? Naomi, can we start with you? Uh, sure, yeah.
6: So um, uh, I I started a feminist group at university, actually. Um, so this was a uh, over 10 years ago and um, got quite a bit of flack for it then sort of moved away from feminism a little bit as I kind of entered the workforce had other feels um, uh, really kind of good just to say I had other concerns but you just you do you know different priorities at different times in in your life anyway a couple of years ago I noticed that something was happening in the UK and something was happening with feminism in the UK. And uh, everyone had just gone a bit insane, really, and um, and I was aware that these uh, reforms around what's called the Gender Recognition Act in the UK were happening, and I'd the kind of there'd been a streak of feminism that had been I'd found quite disquieting. This idea that women aren't a distinct group anymore, and that we had to be inclusive of. Everybody, including males, all the time, and it didn't really sit right with me. And I was kind of watching in horror as this stuff was unfolding. And then les- women, especially lesbians, were being shouted down. And and um and then it, I heard about the punching of Maria McLaughlin at Speakers Corner by a trans rights act- activist, and I was just horrified by the whole thing and um, started to try and find people that thought the same way as me or that were concerned, had to share the same concerns that I did. Um, started going to different meetings of different groups and then I met Katie and we thought we should try and do something together.
0: Yeah, and so then that was the birth of Make More Noise. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I think we got together, we wanted to do something and we thought there was there's no like UK
7: blog uh, radical feminist blog or uh, uh, a magazine that we wanted to see something that actually spoke a bit in a bit more of a basic language to people and um, I think there's a lot of great blogs out there um, and they are fantastic but I think a lot of them use quite convoluted language and that they, they, they weave around with all this special terminology and we just felt like if, if you're working, working class uh, woman or person then you're not really going to be able to take part in the debate. So we were trying to make something that was a little bit more direct because we didn't really see that there was um, that organisation out there. And then it just sort of one thing after another. So we did the blog and then we started the podcast. And then last year, was it 2019? Around April, May, we just said, should we do an event? And then that kicked off. We did about, we've done about four or five events. And I think one thing that's been really interesting in the UK is a lot of the activism is centered around these events that women have put on and as yeah. much the events themselves and the speeches and the talks and the fact that women network um a lot of the pushback um and a lot of publicity has been generated by these events um and thinking of you know they've had bomb threats they've been protested um and it's really helped been like it's almost like a tactic that's used now in the women's movement to shine a light on some of the behavior of trans rights activists
0: I agree. I, I had never heard of just holding a talk, you know, like at a public library or, I don't know, a speaking event. That, that started, I think, this time around with our fourth wave, fifth wave feminism, whatever you want to call this wave, this current upsurge in activism in the UK. And so you should be really proud of that. Um, it's a wonderful tactic. And that was Katie speaking, right? Katie, can you tell yeah, us a little yeah. bit about yourself and um, how you got involved with feminism? Well, to be honest, I've not got a
7: background in politics. Um, before this kicked off, I was, I was a DJ, so I've got a bit of a background in events. I was always quite politically engaged, but more like shout-at-the-telly politics rather than go-to-a-rally politics. Um, so, but when I found out all about all these changes and I started reading about things, I think one thing that shocks me was the fact that all these organ- organisations like the Fawcett Society and Women's Aid and all these organisations that were set up to protect women's rights were basically turning a blind eye, if not actively encouraging the erosion of our rights. And it just felt like, you know, I was wait—I kept waiting for somebody to do something. And more and more my heroes kept saying ridiculous things and, and you know, I was losing a lot of respect for people. And it just eventually you just realise, you know, no one's going to get you out of this mess. You can't just sit back and wait for the... For the Labour Party to take an interest you can't sit back and wait for you know the Human Rights Commission to take an interest if, if you want to fight something then some you just got to start doing it yourself and I think that's that's one of the good things about the UK movement as, as it is there's a lot of people who've never done anything like this before you just thought you know what I've, I've got to use whatever skills I've got to 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 do
6: something you know. I think that's something that we um, uh, are lucky to have in the UK because we're such a small country and so we can we have the advantage of actually being able to get to other events and stuff quite easily. Um, whether If you're in the north, there'll be events going on in northern cities. If you're in the south, there'll be events going on in London. If you're in Scotland, there are events going on in Edinburgh and Glasgow and I think we have that advantage of being able to travel because we're all a lot closer to each other over here than you guys are over there.
0: Yeah, it's been fantastic to see how organized you are and how quickly you were able to come together and really broadcast out to the world that, hey, we're the UK feminists, we're here, we're not going away. And it's definitely had a ripple effect in other parts of the world, including my country, uh, the US. Um, So it's wonderful to be part of an international movement and to inspire one another. Speaking of the Labour Party in the UK, I'm interested to know how things have gone in the last like three to four years. I, I remember <laughs> reading that there was a massive walkout of hundreds of women from the UK Labour Party a, a couple years ago. Can you just walk me and our listeners through the past like three or four years in the Labour Party with regards to women?
7: Yeah, well, I was one of the women who 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 left at the time. Um, it was the hashtag I think was Labour losing women, and all of that started around because they made a decision to allow um self to allow men to basically self-identify on all women shortlists. Now these were um because they wanted to engage more women in in, in, in politics. Um for many years Labour had had like a all women shortlist, so when they had seats go up, it had to go to a woman. Um, And there was a lot of controversy, in fact, within the party itself. But when they allowed uh, men to self-identify onto those lists, it was basically just a smack in the mouth for Labour women who suddenly realised that the the Labour men didn't really understand the first thing about sexism. And there was a a, there was a young women's Labour women's women's officer called um, Lily Madigan, who actually had a fair fair um, part to play in my own peak trans in um because you know just to see a a schoolboy basically being given this role as if it was you know what is womanhood you know this boy can represent you as well as he's been a woman for like two two minutes do you know what i mean um and i think a lot of the a lot of this a lot of groups like women's place uk um they've been so successful because they've just they're capitalising on, on the anger, basically, of women and, and lifelong trade unionists and socialists who are being told that they're now hateful bigots, and basically all of the work that they've ever done—not um, just for women, you know, for other, other like social justice causes—is just trucked out the window. And the abuse that you receive from, from so-called comrades um, is, is quite shocking and scary for a lot of women, and it's made them realise. I mean, like a lot of it. What the radical, radical um, lesbian separatists were saying in the 1980s. This is like an old fight between the um, socialist feminists and the and the radical feminists. Is you know that these um, men on the left um, still treat women like shit, basically, and don't understand that, that they oppress women in the same way that yeah.
0: Can you can you know. talk about your prime minister? I know it was Theresa May. Was she? in the Labour, was she in the Labour Party and is your current Prime Minister in the Labour Party and what's the difference between the two of them uh, regarding the Gender Recognition Act and all of this?
6: So uh, Theresa May is a Conservative Prime Minister and so is our current Prime Minister Boris Johnson. So we've not actually had a Labour government since 2010 and very broadly speaking we, we have um the Conservative are right wing party and the Labour are a left wing party. Um but it was the uh, was it the Equalities Minister, Katie Maria is it Maria yeah. Miller or did I make that make that up? No, I it's Maria that, Miller. Maria Miller,
7: yeah.
6: And um she proposed so she proposed um reforms to the Gender Recognition Act. And I think that the Tories probably did this as sorry. Put- when you say Tories, do you mean the
0: Conservative oh, Party? Yes, yeah, it's a nickname okay, for you. the Conservative
6: Party. Yeah, and the Conservative Party did, did this, I think, as just a, a gesture, so they could be seen to be doing something progressive, and that it didn't really cost them much, and they just didn't think about it. They thought it would just be an easy thing that they could do that would make them look good, and then um, and they just hadn't thought about it really. So it was actually these gender recognition reforms were tabled by the Conservatives, not by Labour, but Labour fully supported them and, um, And, yeah, as Katie mentioned, they'd been doing all this other self-ID stuff within the party where men can just self-identify as women without any of the formal uh, uh, legal obligations that you have to fulfill, like getting a gender recognition certificate that shows that you uh, can be a different sex under law.
7: I think I think another thing was a lot of the a lot of the men who identified as women ended up saying disgusting things about women. You know, so sure, put, yeah, put my balls and you know, behaving like very much entitled, misogynistic men, and not only you know, men who actually it seems to actively hate women, and um, this is something that's you know, now the Tories are shelving the plans, they've decided to basically kick it into the long grass. But The Labour Party has, um, again, it just seems to be like in a purity spiral, it signed a pledge that's demanding to expel from the party everybody who's a member of Women's Place UK or the LGB Alliance. And these are a couple of groups, again, who um, formed to um, campaign against um, gender recognition and self-ID reforms. Um, so it feels in a strange position where, you know, the Conservatives seem to have more care for women's rights than, than the Labour Party. And people on the left um, are the ones who are sort of actively encouraging this climate of terror against women and feminists.
0: Hmm. But Theresa May was very much in favor of the reforms to the gender recognition act right but now it's tabled under boris johnson
6: yeah i mean she was in favor as much as any political leader is just in favor of something that they think will make them look good i honestly don't think she'd ever thought about it i think she was just in favor of it because it was something that they felt that they could do that wouldn't really mean anything or do anything and would make them look good yeah
7: i mean I think a lot of this, a lot, the reason why the the plans have been shelved is because of the how effective the campaign was. Um, Fair Play for Women is a campaign group who managed to mobilise um, lots of like a, basically a leafleting campaign. Women would go out into like have a Friday, Saturday, Friday and Saturday in the town centres and just tell people about the the plans because most people have no idea. And when you tell them about it, they're shocked. So I think a lot of that is actually due to the fact of the mobilisation from women and it's made. The Tory Party stop and look at it and think, you know, mm, this is this is probably not going to be the vote winner that we thought it was. Um,
0: but again, I, I think yes. That... But are they actual allies to women? I mean, it's one thing no. to table it <laughs> no. and to, and table it and say we're not interested in pursuing this any further, but it's another thing to actually be an ally to women. Can you talk about that?
6: Yeah, I think they've I think they've tabled it not out of, as you rightly point out, not out of an obligation of doing the right thing for women. They've tabled it because they've realized it's going to be more trouble than it's worth because we have mounted quite a successful campaign against it. Um, But, yeah, I completely agree there. They're not allies to women. I don't think women truly have allies on the right or the left at the moment. Um, And the Conservatives definitely push through a lot of uh, legislation that isn't very kind to women at all. So I think it's right to point out that even though they've tabled these reforms that were damaging to women, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Conservatives are on the side of women.
7: I think that um, a lot of it is they've seen that it's a wedge issue in the left and um, they're uh, they're exploiting it, they're canny politicians and they've seen what it does in leftist circles everywhere where trans-right activism seems to, even in small groups, like in Facebook groups about, you know, being a chess group and suddenly...
6: Yeah, a reading club, yeah
7: you know um but I mean like I say I don't, I don't think the Tories are any friends to women um they instituted an austerity program which um cuts back to social welfare and 80 86 percent of those cuts um were directed at women so women have lost a lot of um a lot of support from from since I think the Tories got in in 2010 Um so a lot has been taken and I think that it's is, it is good to, to remember. I mean, you just, you're just in a walk in a hard place, basically. Um,
0: yeah, so is there any talk in the UK of starting a British women's party for or a third party that would be for women and only women and by women?
6: Now, that's interesting because we do have a party in the UK called the Women's Equality Party, and they started a few years ago. And they... Um, basically the, the feminists all over were waiting with bated breath to see what the women's equality party were going to say about the gender recognition act reforms and about self-identification more generally and loads of feminists were deeply deeply disappointed by the women's equality party response um because they just just got very mealy mouthed about the whole thing and then who was the leader at the time was it Sophie Walker Sophie Walker yes yeah yeah, and she she did go to a women's place meeting, didn't she? And she made notes. But then, um, God, what, what did they come out with that statement? They said, God, it was something. They came out with a, a statement basically not saying like here or there what they were going to do or what they believed. Um, and trying to sit on the fence and, and yeah, and are people... they
0: still sitting on the fence? I don't know what, I don't know, no one, no one really pays attention. Nobody talks anymore. about it, okay. They're, I mean, it's just, do they even exist anymore? I mean, you said they started back in 2010. They do, but I
7: think that, I think people spent a lot of time trying to convince them that they needed to change their policies and they haven't,
6: haven't yeah. managed
7: to as yet. Um, I don't know, are you following them? What, what what are Women's place UK up to, Naomi? Do
6: you mean Women's Equality Party?
7: oh there
6: you go <laughs> <can't remember> the <laughs> um that I actually don't know because I've not followed them because they've yeah just been so mealy-mouthed about everything and you know yeah that I think and I don't think they're big enough or strong enough to really be a party for women as well um I think if women want to really enact change we'd you know, I don't know what the answer is, but I think probably going to have to work with the tools that we have, i.e. working with the bigger parties and trying to get them to understand, because I think, you know, it's going to be a long time before we see any sort of majority government of leftists.
7: Well. I think that there's some interesting there's, um The Women's Labour Declaration was launched and there's a similar one from the Liberal Democrats, the Green Party and the Conservatives. So women within those parties are trying yeah. to work together, to sort of put forward this platform and to show that this is this is a, this is an issue which doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you're on. We all have concerns and we're united by our um wealth. Female, by the fact that we're females, you know, and our sex-based rights are under threat. So I think there might be some interesting movements in the next year or so. Um, but I don't think there's any plans to split off and form
0: um, a new sort of radical or, you know, that that,
5: that thing that
0: you is that Katie speaking? Yes. That thing that you were just talking about that what we call by bi- is bipartisan. P- women from different parties forming a group. What is that exactly? What are they calling themselves? I think they've got a name as yet.
7: They've got, um, they've got, they've all basically asked the party to sign up to like a women's declaration, which is a set of beliefs which basically asking people to recognize that our rights are uh, sort of sex-based and make pledges to uphold sex-based rights, extend them and basically just listen and hear our concerns because that's the thing that debate's been shut down and we're not able to have, to have a discussion Um, But again, I think it's really difficult in the UK because the parliamentary system, it's the first past the post. So there's very little collaboration um, between the political parties. It's just the winner takes it all and everybody else just gets in line. So you almost have like a dictatorship where whichever party's in power gets to make all the decisions. Um, And um, I know the situation's a little bit different in Scotland and they've had actually been managed to be a bit more successful in lobbying for change. They've actually seemed to got through to some... Some Scottish Nationalist Party politicians, um, Scottish Nationalists, the the, uh, SNP, um, Scottish Nationalist Party, are in power in in Scotland at the moment, Um, and that is a broad-based coalition. It's got Conservative members and uh, Liberal and um, Socialist members, Um, so they're sort of used to dealing with things in that way. And I think they've been a bit more successful in lobbying for changing for for, um, to
0: get an ear to the government. Okay. So what else would you like to tell our listeners about your work in the UK? What are some goals that you have as radical and lesbian feminists um, for the future? And then obviously that brings up the time that I'm doing this interview with you is the time of the virus and how you think that is going to be impacting how feminists in the UK organize and function. Um, I think with so
7: much of the organising being done on um, on events, I think a lot of us we 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 haven't got any events in the pipeline. Fortunately, we were about to book some venues up, so it's good for us to not you know we, we haven't lost any of the money. But there'll be a lot of a lot of events are on hold, a lot of activism is on hold. Yeah. So I think a lot you know people, it's like everything's on in stasis at the moment, and we don't even know. When we finish quarantine, I mean, I I can't really see the gender recognition act being passed now. I I think that we're in a totally different world. And it's, I I don't know um, what our priorities will be at the end
0: of it all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're hunkering down over here too. But a lot of women uh, are online, Zoom meeting with one another. You know, I've been, I was in a Zoom meeting that had like 20 women in it. Just checking in with each other, seeing how we're doing, oh, that fun. kind of thing. Um, and there's also a lot online events that are happening. Wolf initiated an online event. Um, it was supposed to be an in real life event, but now because of the virus, um, they've created uh, an Eventbrite, uh, so you can buy your ticket. There's going to be lawyers. Um, talking and these three high school girls from Connecticut talking about uh, their sports team and how these two boys are winning scholarships and actual meets track meets that these girls feel that they could have won or been eligible for Mm -hmm. um, if these boys hadn't been on their team. And so, and that's hosted by Wolf and save women's sports. um, And that's going to be on April 2nd. So after we, well, the same day that we air this podcast, but you know, it's just not the same as meeting in person. Is it? I mean, I'm excited to go to this event online and I'm even going to try to cover it for WLRN, which is kind of a concept to wrap your head around, but maybe that's what we need to be doing for now. Just hoping that we can meet together in person in the future
6: yeah i agree They keeping up the connections is is so important but yeah it do, it doesn't replace meeting people in real life but all the events that we've talked about that have been happening in the uk they're really really great and it's so wonderful to hear so many speakers and you know people who really know their stuff and are excellent speakers but the most valuable part of it is probably when we all go to the pub after and we network and we meet other like-minded women and that's how katie and i started everything because we both went to an event that posy parker put put on And then there were a group of us in Manchester group of us, um, who got, who got on in a WhatsApp group afterwards who were in Manchester because we were all hanging out at the pub and chatting after that event. Um, and it's just, it's the real life connections that women can make between women that are just so, so valuable. And yeah, I worry that because we don't have that because of the virus and we need to keep it up and, you know, keep those connections going until we can meet again.
7: Yeah. I mean, that's, My my other concern is just with feminist activism and, you know, like, I think one of the impacts of the virus and women being in homes is, you know, domestic abuse rates are going to skyrocket and Mm. the the damage to the social fabric that all this is having, you know. I think one thing is we're seeing the value of female labour. A lot of people on the front line will be nurses, cleaners, shop assistants, um, and it's female labour at home, women looking after children. Um... And, you know, although I'm not saying that, you know, men don't help out, the majority of domestic labor will be falls on women. Um, And, you know, like I say, there's when when all this finishes, I think a lot of our energies will be put in maybe other places. We'll have other things that we need to concern ourselves with, which is shit, because, you know, we (laughs) we we, you know, there's just more and more battles that seem to be, you know, fires breaking out left, right and centre.
0: Thank you so much, Katie and Naomi, for being on WLRN with me today. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you for having us. It's been a
6: pleasure to speak with you and share ideas.
7: Yeah, nice to speak to um, some sisters across the pond and uh, have, a, have a listen to what's, what's going on over there with you guys.
1: You are listening to WLRN.
8: years ago that they would one day face criminal charges for calling a man a man, they would have dismissed you as crazy. And yet here we are, in the year 2020, with an active movement of gender critical, gender abolitionists and feminist women in the UK, who have taken up their fight in response to their government and their culture succumbing to transgender ideology. With breathtaking speed, the cult of gender identity has transformed the political landscape in the UK during the last decade. And as far as the law is concerned, there may be no turning back. Gender identity activists now have the upper hand in a way we all once would have thought unbelievable. Yet British feminists and gender-critical women show no signs of backing down. On the contrary, it seems the further transgender activists go in their quest to control and brainwash the entire nation of England, along with the rest of the UK, the more female resistance grows. New women of all ages are finding their way to the feminist and gender-critical movements in the UK, and the veterans renew their resolve with each attack they field. How this war will play out is anybody's guess. It will likely go on forever, perhaps moving in waves of increased and decreased activity. There was always going to be a backlash of common sense and female self-defense to the transgender mania. As docile as most women are, we all have our limits. And sooner or later, the consequences of medical malpractice against children sucked into the gender cult will come back around to bite the doctors, parents, therapists, and activists responsible. But will we ever see the UK return to the days when gender identity was an alien concept to 99% of the population? Probably not. Will the laws put in place to install transgenderism into British society be replaced with new laws protecting free speech, women, and children? Not without a long uphill battle. If these speculations are too depressing for you, all I can say is, the female condition has been seesawing from progress to regression since the beginning of time. Feminism is not a movement that can ever reach its ultimate goal and then disappear into obsolescence. Every inch of ground women gain in the war against men's oppression must be defended forevermore, or else lost and fought for again. As an outside observer, an American whose own culture seems far more resistant to transgenderism's cancerous growth, I watched the situation in Britain and British feminist response to it with a mix of horror and admiration. Horror at the dramatic and rapid descent the UK experienced into the Orwellian dystopian submission to the transgender cult. Admiration for the women who are brave enough to risk prison sentences, physical violence and unemployment to go up against the state itself, to say nothing of the common man and drag on the street. I can't imagine my own country reaching the point that the UK has reached, and I'm not sure what I would do if I was a woman living in such a hostile, repressive environment, seemingly hell-bent on denying material reality. Surely there are more women in the UK who think gender identity is ridiculous garbage than there are women willing to say so out loud and politically demonstrate against the ideology. That's always been true when it comes to feminism. The few fight for the many, and the many often stand by silently, waiting for the rewards of feminist victory. It has to be said that the UK didn't get to where it is now without the help of misogynistic and homophobic women. Women who have endorsed transgenderism and done much of the dirty work on behalf of the cult. Some of those women are in parliament right now. Some of them work in gender identity clinics, in medical and psychiatric offices in LGBT organizations and schools. Men may have been the driving force behind the spread of gender identity, but without women's cooperation, they never would have been able to achieve what they've achieved in the UK. Female collaboration and cooperation has always been a pillar of male power in society, and the transgender movement is just the latest example of how that dynamic works. The biggest problem UK feminists and gender critical women face is not the violent, deranged men who want to force all women to pretend, drag, and self-identity make men into women. The biggest problem is the legion of women through British society who have sold out to the trans cult and who will now help persecute other women for refusing to submit to the cult's will. Feminism has never failed because men are just too powerful for women to be. It fails only because most women choose to unite with men against the feminist minority. As long as this division and betrayal occur in the female population, male domination and oppression of all women continue. That's why it's important for us as feminists to call out women who betray our cause to side with men. Men can't be changed, but women can be. Feminist consciousness raising is the means by which that change occurs, and if British feminist and gender-critical women are going to return the UK to sanity, rationality, and democracy, they're going to do it with the help of women who are currently working against them, once those women wake up and see transgenderism for what it is. For now, British feminist and gender-critical women are doing what they can, and while it might not seem like much, It's the difference between a British society where female humanity might be recognized and a British society thrust back into the past, where women and girls had no rights or legal protections whatsoever.
4: That concludes WLRN's 48th edition podcast for this Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. WLRN would like to thank our guests this month for sharing their views on radical feminists and feminism in the UK. Thank you so much, Venice Allen, for speaking with us. And thanks to Katie Worley and Naomi Bridges of Make More Noise also for speaking with us and sharing their views. This is April Now. Thanks for tuning in to WLRN.
0: If you like what you're hearing and would like to donate to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the donate button. Check out our merch tab to get a nice gift in exchange for your donation. It's thanks to our Lister sponsors like you that we can keep moving forward as a collective of media activist women. So thank you for your support. Every little bit helps. This is Thistle Petterson signing off for now. Stay safe, sisters.
2: And I am Dana Vita Halshova. Thanks for tuning in. Next month we will focus our program on the Green Party in the USA and how the Georgia Green State Party is resisting gender identity authoritarianism within the party. Our handcrafted podcasts always come out the first Thursday of the month, so look for it on Thursday, May 7th, which will be a full moon, and also the four-year anniversary of WLRN working together as a collective to bring you the news. If you'd like to receive our newsletter, that notifies you when each podcast, music show, and interview are released, please sign up for our newsletter on the WLRN WordPress site. Stay strong
8: in the struggle, and thanks for listening. This is Sekhmet Sheowl signing off on another edition of WLRN's monthly handcrafted podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Spinster, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, and SoundCloud, in addition to our WordPress site. Thanks for listening.
1: And this is Jenna DiCuardo. Our monthly podcasts are always crafted with tender, loving care and in solidarity with women worldwide. WLRN is a remote operation and will be continuing to bring you women's news from around the globe, interviews that matter, and thoughtful radical feminist commentary throughout the pandemic and beyond. We are your community radio station. Share news stories and tips with us by emailing wlrnewscontact at gmail.com. Before we end, I want to give a shout out to our three newest volunteers that have been producing our podcast transcripts. Charlotte, Taya, and Siobhan. You women are awesome. Thank you so much for dedicating your time to help WLRN achieve our goal of content accessibility. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in and supporting grassroots, feminist, independent media. Please comment, like, and share widely.
0: But how will... For the patriarchal kiss How will we find what needs to be shown And then after that Where is home Tell me, where is my
2: home Cause gender hurts